This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, Nick Wilson, Spencer German, back with you. If you are joining us here live, please leave a comment. If you are watching this on, well, Chuck. We already got one comment. It's uh, a little vulgar, but I guess we It's pretty succinct, if I'm being fair. Well, hey, we can throw it up there. There's not not a lot of wiggle room in this one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much straight ahead. Yeah. (laughs) I I would say, I would also say. You did not beat around the bush at all. Not a lot of analysis there. But I I think when it comes to that school up north, I don't think you need a lot of analysis. But Once the the clock hit zero on this this Minnesota game tonight, I think this was – this was the consensus reaction for most people on social media. It was like, all right, it's behind us. Just oh. start start putting out the tweets. You think they waited for the clock to hit zero on this one? Because it <laughs> it sure seemed after that second touchdown, after the uh, the Minnesota fumble, it sure seemed like people flipped that switch pretty damn quick early in the third <laughs> quarter. Once you got up uh, comfortably by I think twenty seven to nothing. So uh, yeah, drop a comment. As always, we're a new podcast. You guys make us. That is the reality of this. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, rate. Give us all the good stuff, guys. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys again. Make the podcast. And, yes, I am begging, but that's okay. That's what I do. Now, with that being said, we do have the Michigan Panic Meter coming up uh, before the end of the show. We've got love it, like it, and leave it. You can leave it, meaning leave your uh, comments on your love it, like it, and leave it. Uh, both on social media, at Nick Wilson says, at Spencito underscore, or in the comment sections here. And uh, even if you're not live, if you're just hanging out on the YouTube channel for 92.3 The Fan, give us your love it, like it, and leave it. Um, you had a you had a take. You and I disagreed on kind of the end of first half sequencing for Kyle McCord and Ryan Day. But you actually wanted to come out because you have some praise for Ryan Day today. Am I correct in that? Yeah, because a, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, we talked a little bit about just is is Ryan Day holding back Kyle McCord? And you brought up in the first segment, like, I think it's pretty obvious he just doesn't trust him in certain instances. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's true. I do think that's true. And I think at this point, I'm I'm trusting that this deep into your regular season, um, 
Like I'm, I, you're 11 and 0. You've played all these games. You had preseason training. You had the early season stretch. You, you're now at the Michigan game. I'm trusting that Ryan Day is good enough at his job to understand like where he's at with Kyle McCord and what he has in Kyle McCord to understand how how you're going to get the most out of him. And I thought that tonight he was trying his damnedest to get the most out of him. It wasn't always pretty. We talked a lot about the starting slow. You know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more later about the red zone offense, which I've harped on numerous times this year. Settling for field goals is not going to win you games against Michigan, Georgia, those teams, obviously. So we'll talk about that more later. I'm not saying it was always perfect. I'm not saying he had the right play call at every at every moment. Um, but I also think that's part of being a play caller. Like, you're never going to ace every single play. But I did think that tonight you saw some creativity from Day. You saw him trying to get Ibuka the ball on some end-around type stuff and even get him the ball in some other situations knowing that he's finally healthy again and that Marvin Harrison Jr. was kind of getting double-teamed. Basically, like all game long, you saw Minnesota in that that two deep show. They were playing cover two most of the night with safety help over the top on Marvin Harrison Jr. And you knew they were trying to take him away like most teams try to do. And I think Dave found other ways to get other guys involved and get uh, McCord comfortable throwing to guys like Stover, which has been sort of a nice sort of comfort zone for him at times. Uh, Egbuka. He got Henderson early going on the first drive of the game. I think it was like a two to six pass to, to run ratio on that opening drive that they scored on. And I thought that built some confidence in the offense. I think, and, and I do think as you look ahead to that team up North, like that's going to be one of the keys for this team. We, we've talked a lot about what the offensive identity is for this group. And that if Travion Henderson can get healthy, that's the thing you lean on. I think that they proved tonight, like they can he looked good tonight. Like I'm not even not even like take the 75 yard run out of it. There were plays where he'd pick up like four yards, and he was like full steam ahead, ready to run guys over, coming out of a pile, just completely unscathed. Like looked like he had a lot of energy. Looked like he had a lot of pep in his step. I love what I saw from him today, and I thought that Ryan Day tried to kind of use that as a momentum builder for the offense. And I think it's the same exact thing you got to try to do next week. The difference is you have to be able to finish those drives a little bit better than they did tonight. But I, I thought he was creative. I thought he was pretty good tonight. And I think he tried to find ways to get McCord comfortable early. I, I can't fault him for much tonight other than maybe the end of the half sequence like we talked about and some other things. I think it's been a pretty consistent push and pull between who held whom back on any given day. Um, by and large, by the way, I I do think it's been Kyle McCord holding Ryan Day back maybe more than yeah. the opposite. But I just thought Kyle wasn't good early. And I thought, you know, I think I think some of this you have to give credit to Minnesota's defense. I thought they did a great job in coverage. They were really well disciplined. And I thought, you know, it's funny, like the defensive line, I think only came away with one sack. But I think you kind of saw that they were able to get, um, you know, okay pressure. But I think some of it was just the kid just sped it up, man. And when when. You know, it, it it's one thing when you're fighting a good pass rush. It's another thing when you're fighting um, that clock in your head because yeah. the coverage is good. And I think, you know, to me, I think that's a little it's a little alarm bell there uh, for for Kyle McCord going into this next little stretch here because and that doesn't mean he can't beat Michigan, but I'm incredibly empathetic when a young quarterback feels that pressure from the the defensive line and just buckles. Because I think that's just something you have to get used to the speed of college football. However, when when the pass rush is just okay, 
and you're buckling under the pressure of good coverage, and I know covered sacks are real, so I don't want to over like I'm not trying to. I, I want to give Minnesota credit; they did a hell of a job early in this game in coverage. But Kyle McCord really struggled, and his a couple of his throws were wildly off off uh, target, and it just wasn't good enough. And I, I, you would have liked to just see a better performance from him as you get ready for for Michigan. Uh, we do have Radu pitching in there, chiming in on the comments saying uh, day was not showing a lot tonight, kept stuff close so that Michigan wouldn't steal signals. I had, <laughs> I, I knew we had to get into that. Um, can we, no, I mean, can we, can we laugh by the way, the fact that uh, on the miss during the Michigan game, do you know, did you watch the game? Did you yeah. notice? You mean where they were trying to block? They were out trying to cover out. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oh, the irony, the irony of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I think the whole situation is officially in, in Michigan's head. Michigan should have steamrolled Maryland today, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Okay, we have well, not it mentioned here because we have to talk about it. But yeah, well, we have not. <laughs> by the way, a couple things that have happened: Jordan Travis for Florida State, and this is this does have real significant yeah. um, playoff implications. Jordan Travis has what what appears to be a compound fracture in one of his legs. He he hurt it um, in Florida State's game. It it was don't watch the video on Twitter is what I would say. Um, and then we obviously have the Michigan game, but we've made it this far, and we've not talked about the defense. The defense, and I miss, listen, Minnesota without Taylor is just, they, they're very young and they're probably a few players away. So it's not just you're young, you're not talented yeah. enough. Well, but I, I thought I, Jack I, Sawyer, I, Jack Sawyer w- lived rent free in the head of Cali oh, yeah. Manis today. And I thought it was his best game as a Buckeye this season. That was insanely impressive. I, I don't, do we do Buck Watch? I know Dog Check is the thing we do with the Browns. Like, <laughs> Whatever dog check version is, you know, uh, buck nuts watch. I don't know. Nut watching. I don't know. But like, holy, holy hell, that's a different <laughs> thing. That involves only fans. But Jack Sawyer was amazing today. And I yeah. just, I, I can and, and uh, Denzel Burke had a couple moments. All the usual suspects. Tyleek Williams with a couple uh, run stuffs there. I just thought, you know, they did a really good job of just not, just not giving Minnesota any opportunity to get momentum, but it's it, again, Jack Sawyer, Jack Sawyer, yeah. Jack yeah, Sawyer, great. kudos to the junior. Cause that was a yeah. very nice performance from him. I thought he was great. I thought Tyler Williams had another really good game and his name has popped up a number of times this season uh, yeah. on that defensive line. I, I think uh, you, you talked earlier in the week though, when we did our preview just about like this being a young offense. And I do think that was kind of what played on the field today. Nick was like, you had a defense that was probably more solid than I gave them credit for on, on Tuesday. And they sort of disrupted some things for Ohio state at times and made their lives a little harder until they were able to sort of out talent them, which has been the story of their season and an offense that Kelly McManus was, I think he struggled at times against a, a really good Ohio state defense and they're just young and they don't have the talent yet. And they're still kind of learning some things in their own right. And we kind of knew that was what was going to happen here. Like that, like you never felt like Minnesota was ever going to make a game out of it because their offense couldn't do anything. And the only real concern you had was like, well, just don't let McCord make a mistake. So I think that was kind of how it played out on the field today. Um, but you're right. Jack Sawyer was excellent today. Defensive line as a whole was excellent today. Your Denzel Burke, I know made a couple big plays, a couple big tackles. Um, so I, I think all around the defense continues to be something that we just praise, praise, praise. And, and they I get their something? true test against Michigan and the, the offense, I think, is still sort of ironing some things out. But we've seen some stronger things emerge like Trevion Henderson. 
I think the uh, defense deserves a lot of credit. But, yeah. the, you know, I gave P.J. Fleck a lot of credit early in the podcast for how he set up Ohio State in these, like, impossible situations, right? And the punter, the, it was – the MVP stands for most valuable punter today because, <laughs> he like, he just consistently in that first half pinned Ohio State back up against their own ass, and I thought that was fantastic. But – when you start the second half with a Travion Henderson 75-yard uh, touchdown run, and again, I mean, you had the fumble, you had the interception, like the, you were, you kind of offensively, you were making mistakes. But at no point did PJ Fleck ever go, "Hey, we're behind by like 27 points. Hey, we're getting the crap kicked out of us." Kaliak Manis, maybe on a third and eight, maybe on a third and five, I'm gonna let that kid pass. Because Minnesota was awful on third downs today. And a lot of it was everyone knew on third down, 90% of the time you're going to run the damn ball. And I thought that his philosophy was great in the first half. But the second you really got behind it, uh, behind the eight ball in the, the, the second half, all of a sudden you just started, he just kept doing the same thing. And it's like, Maybe well, there was the fear of I don't want to lose 70 to nothing, but like that Kaliak Manic kid, you can kind of Kaliak Manis kid, you can see there's something there. And he had a couple of nice throws that kind of were in space. And in reality, the offense probably takes too long to set up against a, a defense like Ohio State. But like, why not give that kid a chance when to start just trying to sling the ball around? Because quite yeah. frankly, you weren't having any success well, on the ground. Because they shut down Newbin and they shut down Evans quick. And I, th- I think, again, that goes back to what I was saying. Like, you just saw the limitations of that offense. They were a run-first team. That was their identity. That's what they wanted to do. And I think when, you know, the game sort of got more lopsided and P.J. Fleck could have tried to get out of it, I don't know. We talk about, you know, I don't, I don't follow Minnesota football closely enough to know, like, the dynamics between P.J. Fleck and his quarterback. But we talk about Ryan Day and Kyle McCord and the trust between those two. You just wonder if, like, Fleck's not there with trusting Kaliak Manis Manis yet where he's willing to let him do that type of stuff. Or if you're right, maybe he was worried about, like, well, it could get a lot worse if we go three and out here too quickly or whatever. But he did make a couple good throws. Actually, I I wrote down the one. There was a third and 14 in the first half, and he completed kind of a crossing pass that got him a first down on a big play, 32 yards. So, yeah, like he made a few plays. I, I I think Fleck probably should have trusted him a little bit more, but clearly they just weren't comfortable doing anything that wasn't running the football. I think. Well, and I think trust is important, but at some point it doesn't matter if you trust the kid or not. Yeah, you just have You're to. down. Like you, you just you have want to. It, like, uh, well, I, he, I he was co- – you know what? He was coaching that job like he knows he's not getting fired from Minnesota. That's what he was coaching that job right. Like, oh, well, yeah, yeah but- I've gotten nine win seasons and – this is basically the ceiling, so I'll be back next year. Well, maybe we'll try a little harder against Ohio State then. I also think he was coaching not to lose. And when you're down 27 to nothing or, you know, after that that uh, third touchdown, like, ah, man, just do something more. You know what I mean? Like, give your kids – because here's the thing. You're, you're not coming back in that game. You were losing that game. And so I can understand saying to yourself, oh, we're losing this game. Let's not get embarrassed. I would also look at my guy, my young quarterback, and say, hey, man, listen – they think we can't get back into it. I'm going to try and do a couple of things here and give you a shot. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You're playing with house money. Go out there and give it a shot. Now, I completely forgot to get to the Emeka Abuka point earlier. Um, 
Emeka Abuka having his best game since before his injury, to me, that has real – like we talked about the the negative stuff leading into the Michigan game about how kind of soft the, the offense looked, how bad Kyle McCord looked. Emeka Abuka with an 80-plus yard um, receiving yard performance. You mentioned trying to get a couple uh, – get him the ball in, in a couple different ways. I think if you can get Abuka – really rolling, if he can build off this into this Michigan game, I think that's a way all of a sudden that no longer can Michigan just focus on Marvin Harrison Jr. Because Abuka is box office. And I just thought that was really crucially important that he had this kind of game heading into next week. Yeah. Because it it just allows you like now, because if you've got, if you've got Henderson, Harrison Jr. and Abuka, that's that's the kind of weapon with a, a smattering of uh, of Cade and and Julian Fleming and Tate and and G Scott and all these other guys and who knows if they'll play Dallas Hayden because the red shirt's up in the air. But like now, all of a sudden, you got like that's that's some weapons that you can kind of throw at Michigan that maybe you can be a little aggressive early in the game because well, a book is going to be able to get early and that's going to take the Michigan defense kind of get it off its yeah. uh, off off its even keel. Well, and that's, that's part of why I praised Ryan Day tonight. I, I thought he did a good job of working in at Buka, who we've been waiting to kind of see bust out. I also just think in general, they handled his kind of return the, the way they should have. Like there yeah. was – he didn't he, force it. He, yeah, exactly. Like what was it? I think for the Penn State game, they said he was cleared to play. I don't even think he ended up playing a snap in that game. I'm pretty sure he didn't take the field, but they said like in, the, in case of emergency, he was available or whatever it was, yep. and they didn't use him. Okay, good. They kind of eased him in. Then he's, he slowly sort of started just taking a little bit more reps, a few more snaps and a few more snaps and a few more snaps. And then it, tr- it transpired into tonight, which was you talk about it being the last dress rehearsal, if you will, before Michigan. It's clear they were like, okay, let's take the, the Corvette out of the garage. It's, you know, s- spring's over. The, the bad weather's gone. It's the summer now. We can let the top down and see what we can do with this guy now that he's back fully healthy. And I do think that that is a, a a true weapon that's almost coming back. Like you're getting a weapon now coming back for this Michigan game and something that you haven't been able to show a lot of already to this point. So I think it's a nice tool in the arsenal of Ryan Day and this offense for uh, for next week, no doubt. Now, before we, we get into the, the Michigan panic meter and um, love it, like it. Can we talk about it. whether or not it was a intentional grounding in the uh... – Oh, I, I, I didn't even care about the intentional grounding. Um, I care about the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the touchdown, and here's why. Oh, I was ta- no, no, no. I was talking about in the in the Michigan Maryland game. Yeah, it? no, that one doesn't matter to me right now because I I want to. I'll get to it in a second. Um, um, I just got to say, it was not a pen. So okay, I don't think they should have. I don't think literally <laughs> half the defense should have been flagged after the interception. Because that's when it happened after the the Hancock interception, um, I thought it was really funny to hear them call out half of the the defense's name. What's like, the, what's the number I'm one? Thinking, number seven. I'm thinking number, there's a movie scene. What's the movie scene where like there's a whole bunch of flags and the uh, the referee stands there and he like rattles? I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. I can't. Remember. I can't think of it, but I'm telling you right now that was excessive. But here's what. Here's what. Okay, I actually am okay with that being called a penalty. The only reason it really pisses me off. They hadn't even set formation on the celebration. And that Jagoff referee was was jimmying for his flag. He, like that man, as soon as he saw the seven dudes line up, like they weren't even in position. It was like if that was a family picture, 
no, like everybody's blinking and there's like, nobody's set. And that dude was grabbing for his flag. And I really do hate, it really annoys me when a referee, before the actual cardinal sin of taunting, oh no, before that actually happens, he was ready to call taunting. And that's what pissed me off. And then I did laugh (laughs) because he mentioned 17 names to make sure that any of those goddamn kids so much as 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 like smiled again in that game they'd get a second one get ejected can we all admit the dumbest the dumbest part of this was that son of a bitch having his hand on yeah. like i couldn't tell if he was trying to pull well, his flag and, or his and, dick like he was ready <laughs> we've seen, we've had enough of that on this show that's for sure that's fair um <laughs> this is the dick positive show i uh yeah no that's that's uh that's you know the fact that he was basically already planning on doing it before he did it um, is, is a problem, but I, you know, I, I think you know this about me. Like I'm very much team, let them have fun, whether it's college football or otherwise. So I don't really, unless it's something actually egregiously inappropriate. I'm always like, eh, I don't care if they're celebrating having fun. I mean, we talk here in Cleveland, like, what's the whole thing with the Browns? Like Jim Schwartz tells the defensive guys, if they don't celebrate plays and it's like a loaf and they get yelled at for it. Like it's sports, man. Like these guys are going out and playing this, these, this gladiator game and it's emotional and it's fun for them. And they make these amazing plays. Like, I don't care if they celebrate and get, you know, whatever, but everyone's like, Oh, well, first of all, I, I, I guess I kind of understand the, the image they were trying to uphold when it was just like, Oh, this is college. And, we, uh, we're all about sportsmanship here, but guys, with the NIL era officially here, we are well past that. Like, we are well past the idea that we're giving off, like, these are just student athletes and they all have to be kind to each other and show that Ohio State is a good, nice school and we're all just abiding by the rules here. Like, I just don't know why it was excessive or, yeah. or why it was over the line. Like, I, that to me is just uh, now getting, I do want to get to the, uh, the, the, um, Intentional, intentional grounding. grounding penalty real quick. Do you think it was? I, I, I don't think it was because, and this is what, uh, who is the, who's the official, the guy who's on with Gus and Joel for like their officiating. I forget who it is off the top of I my head. I but... don't remember those nerds names. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't make a note about, no, I, when they're like, oh, we're going to go to rules. It's not Mike it's Pereira because like, he's with I'm the gonna, NFL. I'm going to go to Mormon underwear Mike, who's now going to tell us about missionary sex and, and how women can't have <laughs> orgasms. That's what every goddamn officiating expert is. They're the a-hole in school. And uh, Radu's saying it's Dean Blandino. Dean Blandino, they, yes. They're thank the, you, thank you, they're thank the you, thank a-hole you. that's like, when you're playing Uno in school, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. It's yeah, like dude, I, it's it's not the world Uno so, championships, and, and okay, my, bro? My thing is, even Dean said this on the broadcast, and and it's what I've always known the rule to be too. Is like it's a judgment call. Like some are obvious, some are obviously intentional grinding. Like when the guy throws it out of bounds, clearly he like whatever. It it looked like Talia was trying to get it there. Was it like eight yards short of his guy? Yeah, but like it wasn't like he just threw it into a random place. Like there was a guy at the other end of that pass. If he had been able to get a little more air underneath it, where it would have been a little bit closer. I thought in that stage of the game, on a penalty that is literally a judgment call, is and that's again what Dean Blandino said on the broadcast as well. You let it go. 
you let it go because you're you're basically now interjecting yourself into a game and an outcome that could be a pretty exciting ending if you let it just kind of play out. We'll see. I, I, and it might have just ended with Michigan getting a sack or turnover on downs or whatever, and it wouldn't have mattered. But I just I didn't love it in that instance because it is just a judgment call at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm. I think if a uh, if somebody is within the general vicinity of the throw, it can't be intentional right. grounding. Agreed. So when it, that's just a moment where I think like awareness is really important with refs and it is, I actually think college refs are a hell of a lot more aware of things than maybe NFL officials are where they're more likely to like call like a really tight game. And then out of nowhere, just like throw 17 flags, like the, uh, the Browns and Ravens game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So like, by and large, I think they get that call right more often in college than they do in the NFL. However, in that game, in that yeah. circumstance, I thought I like it was it. a – I well, listen, I didn't think it was intentional grounding. The, the guy was close enough. So, like, if he's close enough, like, that, like, this wasn't like he had half a field open and it was clear that he wasn't, like, come on. You have to, like – and knowing that game, knowing the the situation of that game, if you think if you if there's even a kernel of doubt, you can't call that play. If I was in that stadium, I would have been starting the bullshit, bullshit. I would have been me in the stands starting the chant. I would have done it. That's a pretty good a bullshit chant. Call. I'm not gonna lie, it was a pretty good bullshit. I thought about going. I thought about going three. I, I stopped the two. You know. Well, listen. Um, we can do better. We will do 